Support for the We Need to Be Doing That podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I always call them that. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOING20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure to use the code DOING20. We need to be doing that, a podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. Though we make no promises, we'll stick to those topics each episode. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. And on this podcast, we'll often focus on the sports content and creative we see in life and share between the three of us. We need to be doing that. I'm Elliot Gerard. These are the discussions we have most days in person or group text. Now with the microphones on and recording. We've known each other since 2009. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes. Come on, we need to be doing that. I'm excited to uh, introduce my good friend, uh, Jason Coppell from um, 1.37 p.m. Um, he has been someone I worked with for a while. Uh, we did all sorts of fun stuff working in the sports marketing space. Both of us are kind of fanchipreneurs. Uh, you know, our fanship led to our passion of, of uh, you know, guerrilla marketing campaigns that we worked on together, which we'll get into in the show. Um, and, and it led to him now working with Gary Vayner. Uh, so, you know, exciting, exciting story. And we're looking forward to hearing more about that, Jason. So let's talk. It's like to be here, man. It's uh, yeah, Elliot, we go way back, man. Going back to like 2015, we started doing some t-shirts together for uh, Jets players and everything. And we had a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. I, you know, we, you and I were talking the other night about how it's interesting how one thing leads to another, right? You may not, you know, make a lot of money doing one thing, but when you start networking and working with people and, and people spread out and start doing something else and it, sometimes it leads to other things. And, and uh, I think that like doing that kind of stuff definitely steered us both into a path that we're both, uh, you know, I think in, in, in much better places in 2020 than we were when we first met. And, um, you know, just psyched to, uh, to see you thriving during these tough times and, uh, you know, just psyched to be here to talk to you. No, likewise, likewise. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the stories, and I, I don't know, if I, I kind of told these guys, but when that, you know, whole LeBron thing dropped, um, uh, which I don't know if I've talked about on the show, but you know, LeBron used my piece to go, you know, Zero Dark 30. I, w- I reached out to you and I was like, hey, what do you think I should do? And you were like, hit up the fucking Cavs. And and I did. And then they were like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do a mural. You know, so that that all sparked from you just being like literally hit them up directly, yeah. which I think is like kind of the thing you did as a, um, when you were running that, you know, that business. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear, I mean, one of the stories that I always tell them was, is about, is about the, um, the Patriots and, and how you used to troll them. So you want to tell us your, your most, uh, interesting ways. I know that we did, uh, some funny, funny stuff too, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, I got started in 2014. I mean, I'm not going to touch on this too much. Um, it's not something I love to talk about, you know, trying to be a little more positive nowadays, but in 2014, um, Jets were terrible as they typically seem to be, you know, since the, since 2010 and, and, uh, you know, went on a rant with my brother and a bunch of my friends, um, in our Jets group chat, um, about how we need to get this GM fired, you know, joking around, put up a, a website, like a two page ridiculous website called firejohninzik.com. And, 
And um, it was crazy. Like we posted on a Jets forum and literally like within a week, um, you know, where the goal was to put up a billboard. I didn't think that it would ever actually get funded. It was just kind of a, a goof that, you know, we were joking around. And um, But these things, as, as you know, happens in New York, these things, once you, you put an idea out there, sometimes if it's, uh, you know, something that could be a viral thing, the media will jump on it. And, uh, you know, there were media members that I guess read the, the forum that I posted the website on. And I got a call from uh, Brian Costello. Uh, I'm sorry, first from Christian Dyer um, of Metro. And then once he did the story about the website, uh, Brian Costello from the New York Post picked it up. And then it became a huge viral uh, media campaign um, to try and get this guy, John Idzik, fired. And it worked. I mean, he got fired. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much it had to do with our campaign. I got I to gotta imagine the campaign didn't... Um, you know, didn't hurt our cause. I mean, it, but the guy was an awful general manager and he got fired. And uh, after that, we, uh, you know, I decided, you know, every, it was, I can't even begin to describe how time consuming for months that campaign was. We kept it going. I mean, it, it's one thing when you put a hot take out there, but but if if you get called on it, like we did, you know, with the media and the fans and everything, um, and it becomes this big viral thing, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it'll consume your life. And, I, and we were raising a lot of money and we had, and, and I had a responsibility um, at that point with large sums of cash that were being donated to us to keep this message going that, uh, you know, it, that I had to do things right. We raised some money for charity. Um, we did some nice things with it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't my um, favorite thing, you know, it, being known as the guy who's out here campaigning to get people fired. So I decided to um, start this campaign uh, to start a website called nyjetsfans.com, which would be um, the goal of it was to give the Jets positive coverage. You know, we wanted to show that like um, these people that were in the media, um, the beat reporters and everything that were stewing up all this turmoil and everything um, that, you know, that, that there was a better way to cover the team, that the fans could do it better than the media could. Um, and that was in, in the beginning of 2015. And, uh, you know, look, we, we, we want, I, I wanted to do something that would endear myself to Jets fans for our, for the sake of our company at the time, um, and do another stunt with one of those planes that we, that, you know, that we had flying over the Jets stuff, um, showing that we had a sense of humor. So we flew a plane, we, we found out that the NFL network and ESPN were going to be live. Um, broadcasting live on the first day of Patriots training camp. And back then that was right after um, the Patriots had just been fined and penalized for the whole uh, deflate gate. And um, Tom Brady was suspended and all this stuff. So just as a joke and as a troll move, and obviously to promote our company, we flew a plane over the Patriots practice that said, cheaters look up. And ESPN cameras pointed at the sky, NFL network, you know, all the people, media and everything pointed at the sky. And it was a great way to, um, for a really inexpensive, I mean, if you think about it, I think the plane cost us about $800 and we got like Super Bowl, you know, commercial level coverage. It was crazy. Like we were, you know, our followers blew up our, you know, our, our, and, and not only that, but, but people that hated what we had done initially on the fire John Idzik stuff were now like, all right, these are hardcore jet fans. Like I can get on board with this, you know? So like it kind of helped, you know, swing our, you know, I mean, there were of course still some people that were like, F those guys, like, you know, that guy's a, a piece of crap, but um, you know, at the end of the day, um, it was a really good marketing uh, tool for our website. 
Um, it helped launch us and 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 welcome us to uh, you know to the Jets media world. And we were credentialed by the Jets. I mean, the Jets. After all that we did, um, you know, I I got a sit down in Florham Park in the Jets office, and they said, "Hey, listen, um, obviously, you know what you did with the whole John Idzik stuff. Like a lot of people still work here." Um, you're not the favorite person in the building and we're going to allow you to come here and cover this team, but um, you're going to be judged. You know, we're going to give you a clean slate. Like we're going to judge you based on your actions going forward. Not, you know, we're going to, we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. And uh, you know, and you know, we just want to make sure that, that nothing like that ever happens again. So we made, you know, we, we made a deal. I said, no problem. You know, we're, I'm just here. I'm not here to cause any more waves. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just here to cover the team. And for four years, we did exactly that. And we did a great job of it. Um, you know, I have my partner, Kevin Serkin, and another partner, Tyson Roush. And, you know, we were partnered with Fireman Ed and a couple other guys. And, and um, you know, we really, really gave positive, good coverage. We did a lot of charity events. We did a lot of work with the players. Uh, Elliot, you, you designed the T-shirts that we uh, partnered with the players on. You know, we didn't put any Jets logos or anything like that on any of the merchandise. I mean, you know, you and I have ha- had a lot of conversations in the middle of the night, Elliot, where I was like, hey, listen, we got to err on the side of caution here. Like, make sure nothing that looks like a Jets logo, nothing that is a Jets logo, because we're, obviously we're going to be heavily scrutinized by the NFL. So, um, you know, that was uh, that, that's where it went. I mean, we did a lot of stuff with a lot of young up and coming rookie players. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, and, major- and major I'm sorry, and major players, too, like. Uh, uh, like, uh, and also what's his name? Like, um, for, for his mental health, uh, uh, we we did, we did some stuff with Brandon Marshall. Uh, we worked with, uh, Eric Decker wore, wore, I wasn't sure that you designed, but Eric Decker was wearing our Fitzmagic shirt that became a viral sensation. Um, you know, we, we did work with Leonard Williams and, um, Darren Lee that you did the, the, you know, the first round beasts that you drew. And we did, uh, Robbie Anderson and Quincy Numa and, and And the bowling um, with, uh, yeah, no, no, but the bowling um, campaign where you got that like uh, you, you interviewed about, um, go, going to uh, the Patriots, and then he actually did. What's his name? Yeah, yeah David, um, David Harris. David Harris. That was crazy. We interviewed David yeah, Harris, yeah. and the, the, it was right after the Jets cut him. And and Kevin, my partner, said to him, "You're not going to go to the Patriots, are you?" And he kind of smiled at us and took a deep breath. And I was like, "Shit, he's going to the Patriots." <laughs> so you know, it was uh, it, we had a lot of fun, man. I'm going to say like. It was a fun four years. Now, throughout the course, just like I said in the beginning, you know, sometimes it's not about how much money you make doing something, but it's about the connections that you make and, and you know, and all the networking that you do. Um, look, it wasn't a financial success, that uh, that magazine. We had actually just, it's crazy, when, when COVID hit, we had just picked up the XFL, was doing a lot of advertising with us. Um, we had just gotten into the American Dream Mall for distribution. And finally, finally, the magazine was was just turning profitable after like three years of, of producing the magazine. Like we finally gotten to the point where we, and then we were going to put the magazine in the mall and all these mall, uh, pick up all these new, you know, American dream mall advertised 200 new stores and all these new restaurants. And we were going to have the, the display racks like throughout the mall, right across from MetLife stadium. And then COVID hit literally like two weeks later, it, sw- it swept the rug out from under us. And it was like, well, what the hell do I do now? There's no sports. I can't even get up to New York to get this magazine distributed. Like there's, there's nothing to even write about. And all the momentum that we had, that, you know, that, that we had gotten just kind of was just, you know, taken away from us. Not to mention 
down here, you know, in Florida, I was doing consulting for a, a major events company, no major events anymore. And my printing company that I owned, that was my third thing. Um, I was doing a lot of printing for bars and restaurants and nightclubs. And we did a lot of seasonal work during the summer at the Jersey shore. I mean, it's like they all were shut down too. So I went from, you know, doing better, you know, than I was ever doing, you know, professionally and everything to literally overnight, just losing it all. Yeah. I I didn't know what to do. I went from, I, I went from like, you know, everything to nothing overnight and it was a tough spot. So just randomly, I saw Tyler um, Schmidt, uh, who works with Gary V, um, put up a tweet that he was looking for a graphic designer for 1.37 p.m. And, you know, going way back to, um, to 2015, I guess, when I first discovered Gary V's content, um, it had always gotten me through the night. I mean, there have been it's tough when you're when you're grinding and you're starting company and 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 it's like, you know, countless hours in the middle of the night and working your ass off and and trying to, you know, kind of muscle through it. You're not making enough money and you're like is this really worth it? But you have a vision and and you know, it's nice when you have a guy like Gary, you know, kind of like almost cheering you on, right? You know, give putting that content out there that's like, you know, don't give up and and you know, keep grinding, keep hustling even if people are, you know, my family was like, dude, it's time to give up on this magazine. It's time, you know, it's time to give up on this website. Move on with your life. Like, get a job. And I just had this vision, you know, and and Gary would always be like, Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? You guys are all right with that? You already have, so keep it rolling. Well, Gary fuck, yeah. would be like, fuck your parents. Don't listen to him, you know? And it's like, you know, and 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 that was, you know, that always struck a chord with me. And and you know, just all his content. So when Tyler posted that, I started thinking to myself, you know what? Like, I <laughs> If ever there was a time to kind of do a complete 180, a complete shift into like a nine to five type of thing, like I got no money coming in right now. And, you know, maybe now's the time to switch things up. Like who knows what's going to happen in the future? Everything's so uncertain with COVID and everything. So I just kind of I, I hit up Tyler, who I knew um, from Jet Stuff. They're big Jet fans, Tyler, Gary, all those guys. And and uh, so I had actually previously tailgated with them um, once or twice and. And, uh, you know, we've had light communication. Gary actually bought one of the, um, one of the, uh, the, well, oh, the Brian winners, the winners is coming shirts. Um, but that was the, uh, nice, cool. yeah. so yeah, in, in the that. middle of the night, one night I got a, I got a, uh, I got an order from Gary Vaynerchuk and I was like, Holy crap. He ordered one of our shirts. I gave him a whole box of, uh, when he ordered that shirt, I said, you know what? Now I got, like, I got it. I, I got an in to, to get, you know, a box of our product to Gary. So I sent him one of every shirt that we had bunch of auto and all kinds of stuff figure what the hell. Um, but look, end of the day, I mean, you know, I hit up Tyler, it was a grind, just, you know, Tyler's a busy guy that, you know, and, and I'm sure he got a million applications. Um, you know, people hitting him up, Hey, I want that job. I want that job. And I just kept kind of grinding and kept like hitting him up and like, Tyler, let's do this, man. Like, you know, I, like, I know that this may be like an entry level job. I'm ready to put in the work. I'm ready to come in and, and prove myself because like, like working at Vayner, if, you know, as an entrepreneur, like it's hard to go and work for somebody else when you're used to, for 18 years working for yourself. But if ever there was a company that I'd ever want to do that for, it was Vayner, you know, it was, it was, and the content that they were producing was right up my alley. It was sports, sports cards, you know, cannabis, uh, you know, all that stuff. And it was all stuff that, that I, I wanted to be a part of. I think there's such strong similarities hearing you talk to 
I think your resume only needed to say you're a Jets fan. I mean, you're used to defeat. You're used to pushing through. You're like the A1 typical hire. Like people want Jets fans. Like they will see it through. He's a Jets, Mets, and Knicks fan, just like me. That's hard. That's hard. You know, it's it's tough because like, like I mean, like you said, there's some really fantastic things on my resume, right? Like, I, like when you're an entrepreneur, like there's nobody, that, you know, and you're working basically by yourself. Um, you have to figure out creative solutions to everything, right? Like there, there, there's never anybody. You can't take days off because if you do, nobody's getting the work done. You can't, you know, if if there's a problem, you need to be the one to solve it, right? And I was wearing a lot of different hats, right? So I was, you know, I was doing the sales. I was doing the collections. I was doing the design. I was doing the distribution. Like I was doing everything for the magazine on top of the printing company and everything. And it was, you know, and there's a lot of companies that'll look at that and be like, man, this guy is, you know, super versatile. But there's also a lot of companies, I think, that when you're an entrepreneur and you don't have agency experience on your resume or anything like that, um, you're a tough hire because they might think, you know, hey, this guy might be tough to mold. He may want to, you know, swing to the beat of his own drum or whatever. And, and uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I was concerned that that they might have concerns that I, you know, that I wouldn't be, you know, a, a good member of a team at 41 years old jumping in, you know, on a job that probably was, was you know, more in line for somebody who's either right out of college or just kind of getting started in the field. But I was ready to put the grind in, man. And, and uh, you know, and I like, like there's no, it's not a pride thing. It's just, you know, there sometimes you got to take the opportunity to just get, get your foot in the door, whether that's, you know, taking an internship or, you know, or, or taking less, you know, than you think you might be worth, um, you know, it's, it's a long-term play instead of a, you know, a short-term play. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so happy that, that uh, Tyler showed the faith in me to bring me on, but also that, you know, all things came together because I think that I'm probably happier professionally now than I, than I've been, in my life. And, uh, you know, I just can't wait to see where this thing's going to go for the future. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you've always been so good at reacting to, to news and stuff like that and, and, and finding a way to optimize it. Like I think the first thing that we did together was after, um, uh, Brady got the, you know, the official, uh, suspension. Um, we came up with the concept of a t-shirt that said, see you later to Flater and he's holding the trophy and it's deflated and it looks like a, a flaccid something. I, I won't say that, but, um, uh, <laughs> but that, you know, that blew up and it's the same thing as, you know, you, you fly that thing over and then we, well, we also had done something for, uh, Przingis, you know, after he got injured, we sent him a giant card or sent, went to MSG with a giant card and everyone signed it. Um, including like all the, you know, players and, uh, media personalities and whatnot. So, I think you are already doing that, you know, on your own. And, and it's the stuff that Gary Vee and, and those guys love. So, you know, it makes sense. I mean, you're a lot more than just, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you know, a, a marketing, you are your own CMO basically, you know, as, yeah. as well as. We, we created, it was crazy. There was a time there where literally everything that we were doing together, everything was going viral. It was like, it, it was like, uh, you know, the, the fire giant stuff then, and, and that was crazy. And then it was, you know, the cheaters look up and then it was the see you later deflator. And then it was the Fitz magic t-shirt. And then it was the Calvin Pryor shirt, the empire strikes back that I did. It was like, that was on, that was on. And it was like one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, and it just kept popping off. And, and we were having a lot of fun with it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, but before, um, I did any of that jet stuff, you know, any of that, that Idzik stuff, I wasn't even on Twitter. Like I, I had never even downloaded the app. I had no clue what was going on with it. I remember the first day that I downloaded Twitter, I was like, what in the hell is going on here? It's so fast paced. And, you know, if you log off for an hour or two, you miss so much. And, and uh, 
you know, I kind I, I just self-taught it. I, I taught it to myself. I mean, and, and it was like, I mean, that's the best way that I think anyone can learn anything, whether it's Photoshop or, you know, or, or, I mean, social media or anything is just to go out and do it, see what works. And then if it works, keep hammering it. I mean, Tyler always says, it's funny, um, you know, squeeze every bit of juice out of the fruit. Like if, if, if you're doing something that works, just keep doing it until it's not working anymore and then figure out something else that works. And I think that like, you know, we were really good at that early on. I mean, you know, it just, um, it's tough, man. You know, when you're, when, when you start a company and you have very little, you know, very little financial backing and, and, uh, you know, you have very little, um, experience in certain aspects of, of that company, whether that's, you know, I was, I was a good salesman, but I mean, you know, when, when you're doing 50 different things, it's hard to get out there and sell when you also have to design the magazine and do the interviews and write the articles and all this stuff. And it just, it was, it was overwhelming, you know, and, and I figured that eventually we get to the point where we would get over the hump and we did. And then literally two weeks later, it was just gone. And it's just crazy. You know, Jason, going to, you know, the idea of being kind of, I would say in the super fan category and then going into media um, I've been on the media side and, and seen, you know, when I worked at MSG and seen a lot more bloggers, international um, reporters get access to the locker room, get media credentials. So for you, if when you're making that transition, and I know you've done some of these fun stunts, um, do you think, let's say prior to that, you were working in the media or you had to face that GM every day walking into the, the facility or that player that you know, you're, you're basically either trashing or looking to get them fired from the job. Do you think <laughs> you would change what you, what you would do? Do you think that provides some perspective? Cause I think for some people, at least who I've talked to when them, they, they were on the outside in from a fan's perspective, it's much easier to be critical when you're then not seeing that person almost every day. There's not, there's no, you know, human level to it. Um, what do you think about that sort of big, um, perspective? Big time, big time difference. So, um, like I said, when, when I, when I had that initial conversation with, with the Jets PR department, um, basically explaining, you know, how it made them feel when I was flying planes over their practice and billboards and all that stuff, I'm a human being, right? Like, and, and the funny thing is like when you're a fan and you're just writing this crap on social media and, and doing these campaigns, you don't really necessarily think about the fact that there's humans on the other side of it. Like, it's just, totally. these people are larger than life, right? Like they're, they're athletes and you don't think they have feelings and, and it struck a chord with me, right? So I was really good, man, for those four years about like, we went the, I feel like we went, we did a complete 180. We didn't, you know, we were, we were the opposite of what, of what got us in there. Um, we gave really soft coverage. I mean, we really, you know, we, Mike McCagden was probably almost as bad of a general manager as John Idzik was, but we, you know, I had to face the PR department every time if, if we wrote anything that was even remotely negative, Hey, Jay, maybe you shouldn't write this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you shouldn't write that. And, you know, the shame of it is that like we did so much good, right? Like in those four years and we were, um, we were doing a lot of stuff with, like I said, charity events. Every year we did a huge charity event. Every year we did, uh, we, we raised money. We did stuff for toys for tots, pediatric cancer research, mental health awareness, um, you know, we, we went above and beyond and I, I was me in, in 2018, um, when we, so for a couple of years there, we were just a website and then we decided to come out with a print magazine in 2018. And after we came out with the first magazine, I sent 
a copy of the magazine to the pr- team president, Neil Glatt, who was one of the guys I was actually campaigning to get fired to, to, to tie into your question. And Neil and I, I felt like had a good enough uh, working relationship at that point. I mean, I could tell the guy didn't like me, but that's besides the point. You know, like I, I was never going to shy away from a conversation with the guy. And, you know, I wanted his feedback on the magazine. Um, hey, check this out. We have this really positive coverage of the team. Um, I'd love to get your feedback. So I sent him a copy um, directly to his desk at, at the Jets offices. And then I hit him up like a week later. And he had always responded to my emails and everything um, previously. And I did a lot of work with him. I, I, I set him up with some nice PR spots um, on this Team Louie campaign where he got a lot of credit for, for you know, for doing all this nice stuff for this guy who, who uh, you know, almost died, was a huge Jet fan from Florida. They flew him up, all this stuff. Um, so we had had good relationship, you know, a, a pretty good working relationship at that point. And when I sent him the magazine and I, and I was looking for some feedback, he stopped responding. And then a month later, I got a, a seasoned assist from the NFL with about 50 different things about the magazine they had problems with. Um, and I went to the Jets office and I had a sit down with the Jets team lawyer, who is now their team president. And they made me a lot of promises, man. They, they made a lot of promises to me that that if I change this, this, and this about the magazine, which I was open to doing, I'm not going to get into a legal battle with the NFL. That would be crazy. I don't have the money to, to you know, to fight with their lawyers, um, that we would receive full credentials, full time. I mean, they were going to give us locker room access, you know, all that stuff if I made all these updates and changes to the magazine to get into their compliance. So I made the changes. Um, I did everything that I was supposed to do and they blew me off and they, they, they lied to me and they didn't do all the things that they said that they were going, that they were going to do if I did what I said I was going to do. And, uh, unfortunately, um, look, that really, I don't want to say it necessarily hurt my feelings. It's business, but like I was, I was really insulted at that point because I felt like, you know, I get it. I, I, I was always very self-aware about the fact that how I got started, you know, I got started by trashing the team. And to me, it was like, you know, I'm still a diehard fan. I'm still a season ticket holder. My family paid $90,000 in in PSLs. You know, we, we, uh, we, I travel around with the team. I do all these fun events with fans and promote the team well. And I thought that it was like, you know, I took them at their word that I was going to be judged on how I acted going forward, not, you know, not on that stuff. And I felt like that was their attempt to, you know, get back at me for what happened, you know, four years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was, you know, if I'm being honest, I was really angry about it. And, uh, long story short, I got a video of Christopher Johnson in Jacksonville. Um, uh, as a, I was there as a fan, I wasn't even there covering the team. I was there with a bunch of my friends cause I live in Florida now. And, you know, my, one of my friends asked, Hey, uh, uh, we're going to get a win today. And he kind of like looked at, at my friend and said, win, I, 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 I just hope the team freaking shows up today. And uh, I got that on video and I posted it. PR department, you know, it went viral as, as these things tend to do. And, uh, cause he hadn't spoken in a while. I mean, the team was dreadful and, um, PR department kind of flipped out on me and, and that was the end of it. I knew that like, I would never receive another credential ever again for posting that because that's how things work in the Jets media world. If you do this, you're not going to get that. And, uh, at that point, you know, I probably, I told myself I was never going to do this ever again, but I ran another campaign to get to try and get Adam Gase fired. 
And, you know, <laughs> amazingly enough, if you re- go back and read the stuff that I wrote at the time, I might as well have had a crystal ball. Like I've been a Jet fan for, you know, I'm 41 years old. I've been going to games since I'm five, 36 years. Like I, I don't miss games. I, you know, I, I've closely followed this team. You, if you don't learn from the past, you're going to repeat the past, right? So like when they hired Adam Gase, like I tried to keep an open mind, even though I knew that it was a ridiculous hire. But when the team started off one and seven, coming off a loss to Jacksonville, who was terrible, and Miami, who hadn't even won a game yet, um, it was obvious that Adam Gase wasn't the right guy for the job. So, you know, it's not that I, you know, that that in retrospect, if I had to do it all over again, I'm not sure I would have gone about it the same way. Um, because I, I did tell myself I was never going to do something like that ever again. But, you know, if you combine like my anger for how I felt I was wronged by the organization, um, and, and Elliot knows how many times they sent me cease and desist for complete nonsense throughout the years, um, that I just brushed off and did what they said every time. Um, you know, it's just, you know, sports is an emotional thing, right? I mean, there's nothing rational about it. Like when you keep coming back as a Mets fan, a Jets fan, a Knicks fan every single year and watching our team suck, but continuing to pay for the product, it's rough spot as a fan, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough. And uh, it's, it's a fine line, right? You, you have right. The, the fans who feel emotionally invested in the franchise and they pay money, they pay money to see the product. They want the product to look good. Um, and yet sometimes you don't feel the organization matches up with that. And in New York, it's especially difficult. Um, I think fans are at a different level and sort of that relationship with it. It's, it's become, I think, um, a little bit murky with the relationship that, or the, the sort of perspective of the fan media player, uh, ownership. We see what's going on in Houston with James Harden right now and, you know, if I'm a fan of the Rockets, I'm kind of like, well, what the hell here? Like, this is our franchise guy and he just wants to bounce and leave. And um, then on the flip side of it, you see Giannis in Milwaukee, who's going to sign this long-term deal. And now he's going to be, um, you know, one of the great athletes in Milwaukee history because he's going to he's picking that team in that city. And he's going to get so much of the benefit of the doubt moving forward. So I think it's um, we're at an interesting sort of inflection point in fandom. And uh, the yeah, lines have gotten you- blurred. The Jets just Jet fans just went through it with Jamal Adams, right? I mean, this offseason was like, you know, Jamal Adams did everything. His only leverage was to be as big a pain in the ass as he possibly could. That was the only way he was going to be shipped out of here, and he did it. And Jets got a good trade out of it. I mean, kudos to uh, you know to Joe Douglas for getting two first round draft picks for the guy. But I mean, I was pissed off at Jamal Adams as a fan at the time, right? Because I'm like, like this guy, like I just did a, a, a big event with this guy, like you know we. Like he was the face of our franchise. He was preaching to fans about how he's going to be responsible for turning the culture around. He's on the cover of our magazine like every other month. I mean, I, I love Jamal Adams, but like, you know, unfortunately with, with, uh, you know, with the Jets and the Knicks and, and like, I almost at the time I was pissed, but it, like in retrospect, you look at it and you're like, well, his problem with the organization was the same problem the fans have with the organization. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. People like the win, right? Like yeah, and, and, and if it's hope, if we were in the same boat, right? Like if we worked at an organization and we didn't like the direction, we didn't like the way we were treated. We see the terrible culture fit, and we said, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm deciding this is better for my career to go somewhere else. 
you wouldn't have a million fans outside your door chanting, you know, lock him up, fire him, yeah. fucking get him out of town, ride him out of town, and then hating him for the burning his jersey. So it is, you're exactly right. And that's what I was kind of leading to is that, you know, it's, it, they're feeling the same frustration. And, you know, unfortunately, their career is going to be tied to those specific years that they spent in that city. Right. And like Kevin Durant, if he didn't leave Oklahoma City and go get a championship, guess what would be the first thing they would say about Kevin Durant when he retired? Right. He doesn't have rings. He doesn't have rings. Exactly. So he went and got the rings, but it wasn't exactly how he should have got the rings. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I, I feel there's somewhat of an empathy I feel for the athlete in the sense that uh, navigating these waters and appeasing fans and the organization is, is a difficult sort of um, process to go through. We have uh, we have Adam Gase online too. He just wants to share. His perspective. <laughs> hey, Adam Gase is going to get get you guys Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah. hey, listen, yeah. I- I'm not going to lie. Like when when Adam Gase when Chris Johnson came out last year when we flew so we flew the plane over New York and said fire Adam Gase and that was again viral and and uh, you know I'm on now I'm on you know WFAN and I'm on with Michael K and all that stuff and I know that Adam Gase is coming back at that you know at that point because. Uh, or like a couple of days later, because Chris Johnson comes out, reacts to the story and says, he ain't going anywhere. So get used to him, dug his heels in. I knew that we were screwed this year. Like there was, I had no excitement coming into the season. I was thinking to myself, this team is going to be six and 10. I didn't think they were going to be 0 and 16. Right. But like, you know, I, I thought that we were screwed. And uh, like, I got to be honest from after the team, I, like we week one, I got myself a little bit excited. Pandemic, you know, Finally, so I got some football to watch. I'm going to tell myself, you know, maybe I just hope for the best. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong as a fan. And, uh, you know, they, they come out, they get their asses kicked week one, and then, you know, and then it spirals down from there. All things being equal, 0-16 with Adam Gase is light years better than 6-10. and 10. It, it really is. Because it's Trevor Lawrence. It, it sets you up for a complete, like, let there be no doubt. Like, 6-10, and 10, he'd be back on, for another year. And, and uh, you know, and like, I mean, he ruined Sam Darnold in the process. That sucks. I mean, that was going to happen. You know, that that was obvious. That was going to happen another year in the system. But um, but really, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I found a way in some bizarre way to really enjoy what's going on this season. Like I'm like I look at the Jets team right now, the players that are in because most of them aren't going to be here, you know, for the long term anyway. And the cold coaching staff is going to be gone and Frank Gore is going to be gone. And Sam Darnold's going to be gone and everything. So I literally look at the Jets opponent, like I, like I'm I'm rooting for the Jets opponent as if they were the Jets, and I'm and I'm hating on the Jets as if they were the opponent, right? So like right. because because losses are wins and wins are mega losses. If the Jets figure out a way to win a game in these next three games and lose Trevor Lawrence, I mean that could alter the next twenty years of my Jet fandom, right? So like getting Trevor Lawrence is the goal. And every loss that gets us that much closer to Trevor Lawrence in the first pick in the draft is, to me, it feels like a playoff win. So it's really a twisted, bizarre year, 2020. <laughs> but I've been enjoying every second of it. And I don't care if people say that makes me a bad fan because that's just ridiculous. I, I'm playing the well, long game. I think it's yeah, awesome. It'd be, it'd be absurd to have three wins, four or five wins. What would what, it even do? You know, it's it's different than I think what, what Miami went through. You know, they they had some players on that team that they wanted to move forward with and have sort of a strong finish. I think there's uh, there's something positive about having momentum at the end of a season if you feel like that squad is going to be 
the structure or the, the base sort of building blocks to the franchise in the future. But here, this is a no-brainer. The, the, you, Trevor Lawrence comes around once in a generation. That's the guy you need to get. Well, there's fans that think, you know what? The Jets ruined Sam Darnold. They'll probably ruin Trevor Lawrence, too. That's, that's, a, fair, that's a fair point, too. <laughs> that, that's what they say. But to me, that's just so ridiculous. Listen, if you have that kind of defeatist attitude that, like, hey, no matter who they get is going to suck anyway. Dude, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is literally, like, the biggest quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? So, like, like if, if you can get that guy and all you have to do is lose these next three games, people are like, oh, 0-16 oh, is embarrassing. No, no. What's embarrassing is going 1-15 and, and losing Trevor yeah, Lawrence. If 0-16 yeah, yeah. gets you Trevor Lawrence. Give me no, – I, I think – I love it. It's, it's like rooting for perfection. Rooting for perfection. Imperfection. <laughs> imperfection. Okay. Rooting for imperfection. There's your next uh, T-shirt line, rooting for imperfection. You're wearing a Mets shirt, so you know what it reminds me of, dude? Do you remember going way back when the Mets had Anthony Young, that pitcher who had lost like – 37 games in a row and fans like the Mets were terrible, but fans started showing up at Chase stadium on the games, like, like selling out the stadium when Anthony Young was pitching, he would get to the major league record of, of most consecutive losses. It was, that's what it reminds me of in a sense. It's like, just, you know what? Like you got to lighten up in a season like this, have a sense of humor about it and, and just try to enjoy whatever you can out of it. Because I mean, look, we got football this year, the jets, if they came out of this year, six and 10 with the 12th pick in the draft and Adam Gase coming back, you're in a lot worse of a spot than if you go own 16, dump Gase, maybe get Bill Cowher, some guy like that, and Trevor Lawrence next year. Then you have something. Then you have a future. So I'm I'm actually excited about the Jets' future. And if it comes on the heels of completely bottoming out at own 16, I'm good with it. The person that you're that you're arguing with or fighting with could wind up at the next place that you're applying to. You know, the person that you're, um, you know, that 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 you got along with that you, you know, you did great work with, but you know what? It just didn't get picked up or didn't get, or whatever the case may be. Well, they may wind up at the next place you're working as well. Like Elliot, I, I have this project that, that, that I, you know, that I was, I was hoping that Elliot would, uh, would want to jump in on, right? If Elliot and I had a bad working relationship from the time that we worked together, then I wouldn't have been able to hit him up and be like, Hey, Elliot, you know, I got, I got this cool idea. So like, you know, you always want to, um, set yourself up for the next move, right? Like, like, don't think like, about your paycheck that's coming out on Friday. Think about five years down the line. Like what could be, you know, oh, that guy, Jason Gopel, he was, that, that guy knows what he's doing. Like that guy can work. Like that guy, you know, that guy, Elliot, man, that guy can draw. I totally, and it'll stick in your head for years. And uh, I, I think that like more than money, more than anything else, that's the most important thing you could do on a daily basis is just, you know, just, just put your best foot forward, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, be passionate about your work. And if you do, good things will come. Even if they don't come that day or the next day, they're coming down the line. So that's, that's, I think that that's how I wound up at Vayner. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, that's awesome. it's a great perspective. Yeah. All right, man. Well, where can people connect with you? Where can they find you beyond, uh, you know, stalking the Jets blogs? Yeah, man. So um, check us, check us out at one thirty-seven PM, ONE 37 PM on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, check, check out at car talk pod. Um, I, you know, I, I run all the socials for car talk pod. If you're, if anybody out there is interested in sports cards, booming market, you know, sports cards are going crazy right now. Um, Pokemon cards, all that stuff. We, we put some great content out there. The, the podcast that those guys put out is top notch. I'm, I'm, you know, super lucky to be able to produce it and, and, uh, you know, and run the, the, the social accounts and everything. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, so definitely check that stuff out. And if they want to hit me up directly on uh, on Twitter, I'm at J-A-Y-K-O-E-P-P-E-L. So at J Copel. And uh, you can get some fun engagement going back and forth. If you just want to troll me when the Jets go 0-16, 
and tell me how much we suck. I'll be happy to, to go back and forth with you and tell you how we're winning the Super Bowl next year. Oh, and 16 and 16 and 0. It's going to be a hell of a comeback story. <laughs>